And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show today. I was joined by the great Ash Short from The Daily Wire. It's always a great time talking to Ash. Um, we we covered a lot. Uh, we talked about uh, impeachment round two. We talked about uh, what, what I believe is, is the Democrats' real motives behind impeachment and, and all this nonsense that we're seeing this week. And we talked about what, uh, what conservatives and, and, and libertarians should be doing about all this moving forward. So I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Ash, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks, no gimmicks Pod. Wow, one of those days. Uh, you know, while we're still allowed on Twitter, definitely follow us there. And guys, please subscribe. You got to subscribe. Like I said, who knows how long I will be allowed to stay on Twitter. So you got to subscribe so you know when we have new podcasts coming out, which is, of course, every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great ass short all right guys we're here with ash short from the daily wire ash how you doing doing great how are you just fantastic <laughs> doing fantastic what a uh, a couple weeks it has been um a lot to get to as always i know i say that to start every single show but a, a ton to get to um let's jump right into it obviously the big news of the day the House of Representatives is uh, is going to impeach the president again, <laughs> uh, second time within a calendar year, um, as early as tonight, uh, it looks like. Um, you know, it's funny, the Democrats held up COVID relief for eight months, but they can rush an impeachment vote for a president that's leaving office in, what, seven, eight days? Interesting yeah. stuff from the left. Well, like, they didn't even rush it that much because it's like they waited. Like, they went home for a weekend, came back on Monday to do it. So it was like, he's a complete danger. We have to get him out now. But, like, it can wait till Monday, you know. And, and I mean, it's not going to do anything. Like, it's not going to go anywhere. They're not going to have the votes um, on it. And I think what I've read, the point of it is that if he's impeached, then even if he gets it ends up going through like after he's left office, he loses like government pension and uh, which is fine. He doesn't need that. Although with all the companies trying to destroy him and like wipe him from existence, maybe he does, but he doesn't really need that right now. And then, but it would also like remove secret service protection for life, which I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's true. That's not a good idea. No. Right. If that's true, then that's like, I don't know, uh, given how the left is and how they have like painted Trump as like the number one enemy in the world. He's basically Hitler, even though he, you know, hasn't called for anyone's death, whatever. You know, they they put him that way. And then you take away, you know, his Secret Service protection and you also try to make him destitute and he can't pay for his own protection like is kind of like to me, if they're going to say that his speech on Wednesday where he said, let's march to the 
to Congress and peacefully like cheer on people was an incitement of violence, then I don't know, that sounds like an incitement or uh, like welcoming, like an invitation to violence by like, hey, hey, we're going to make sure that he has no Secret Service protection. We've right. made him the hated person in the world to some people and we're going to take away his protection. But oh, no, 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 this is totally not inciting violence. Right. And and I, especially how clearly violent the left is just constantly like it doesn't take much to just set them off and get them to burn buildings and loot and destroy police cars and yeah, commit crimes. So you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, violence is part of the leftist doctrine at this point. But and, and I want to get to my theory that I have. Um, you might agree or disagree. My, my theory on, on Pelosi's goal with this whole impeachment thing. Uh, but for, first, before we get there, I like I will mention just for the record. Obviously, Trump didn't incite violence. If what he, I mean, what he said was wrong. But if that's incitement of violence, then anything, <laughs> I mean, anything, like anything, any of us say ever could be taken as incitement of violence. But right. Well, that's that's the thing about the whole thing about this is that like he did not tell them to go do anything violent. They did. Right. But he did not. And so, like, we have pretty, pretty clear laws about that, whereas we had Democrats all summer and over the past couple of years, like specifically telling people to, like, be violent. Right. Right. And then the people were violent and yet they were not held accountable. And Trump did not do those. things. He did not. He said peacefully. And then he sent out messages saying, like, stop like please stop the violence please be and then social media uh censored all of that and removed all those videos and then was like trump hasn't said anything about this and it's like well it, i mean come on people like it, it's become ridiculous but I, it just the idea of the incitement on the other hand i mean trump pushing this idea that the election was stolen from him and like there were some some legitimate questions about some states and polling and what rules they adopted shortly before the election and things like that. But a lot of the things that Trump and his attorneys, particularly Rudy Giuliani and then Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood were like putting out there was just insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, these and people, these yet, lawyers, they pushed that. And a lot of people, a lot of fair-minded people started to believe that, started to believe that, you know, they see all the violence on the left. They see all the control on the left. And then they see that Trump got 10 million more votes than he did in 2016. And yet Biden, who didn't campaign, wins. Right. Now, you can see how that happened, as in there were millions more people who hated Trump. <laughs> more than supported Hillary in 2016, right? Like, that's that's the answer to it. But when you have the irregularities, and then when those are, like, added to by the insanity of these attorneys who used to seem sane, right? Right, right. Sidney Powell, like, with what she did for Michael Flynn, I was like, okay, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. And then at some point it was like, oh, no, yeah. what the are you talking about with the CIA and stuff? Yeah. Same thing with Lynn Wood. Like he, you know, successfully uh, got some settlements for the Covington Catholic kids and Richard Jewell back in the early 2000s, right? So, okay, good guy. And then all of a sudden, he like the nonsense he was spouting. And it's like, what? 
But you think there's got to be people out there that, you know, thought they were good people and then just kept giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I don't know what happened to these folks. that all together, and you've got these people that aren't idiots, aren't crazy, but have really started to, like, believe that all of this stuff, all of it together was means that that something happened in the election and it was stolen and you can can see how people would become angry would go to that rally would believe that stuff the people that incited the violence i mean i don't think a lot of them were like the true believers but if they really wanted to incite violence but you can see how like someone could get swept up in that yeah even if we didn't like i can actually understand how someone can go down that path. And, you know, Trump was really responsible for that because, I mean, there were reports even from, you know, people inside the administration that I know who were saying he knows he lost, you know, back in November, but he kept saying all of this stuff. And so he was whipping these people up into a frenzy, right? whether he thought it would end up violent, because the right just doesn't end up violent like the left. You're absolutely right. right. You're 100 percent right. Right. Like, honestly, I don't think Trump could have known that would happen because the right doesn't do things like that. That's what the left does. The thing is, I just I'll take this just, you know, take everything happening right now and put it in a different context in a just universe where. Everybody isn't insane. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And you're, and you're totally correct. And just side note, you're totally correct about Trump's legal team. I mean, these people have done so much damage to, I mean, to the right. I mean, they, Lynn Wood, I mean, <laughs> like you said, you know, he, he got some money for the, the government, uh, Covington Catholic kids and stuff like that. But it's like you look at everything he's done the last few months. It's like this is a lawyer you'd hire if you want to get a DUI pleaded down to first degree murder or something. Yeah. I, mean, like, yeah. I, don't, like, I don't know if this is a real lawyer or if he's a lawyer in the same way Julius Irving is a doctor. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But like, for the record, like, I, obviously, if I were in Congress, I would not vote to impeach President Trump, especially with a, a week left in his term. But like, just for the record, like Trump's ridiculous conspiracy theories he was peddling since the election and his role, he didn't incite violence, but his role in whipping up this mob. I mean, like, is that impeachable? Sure. I mean, yeah. I, but impeachment doesn't mean it no longer matters because the Democrats impeached him last year for absolutely no reason. And I, honestly, right, I think Trump exactly. has done—I voted for Trump twice, and I'd do it again. But, I mean, I think Trump has done several things. I, I'd love to see lots of presidents impeached. I mean, you know, Trump, when he unilaterally banned bump stocks, I mean, that's a clear violation of his oath of office to uphold the Constitution of the United States, for instance. You know, yeah. I, honestly, I think that signing budgets that blow out the deficit, that that's an impeachable offense. But that would obviously mean all of Congress, except for, you know, Rand Paul and Thomas Massey would have to resign as well. But look, right. I think Obama— Right, we'd have to go back and impeach every single president, everyone. except for Coolidge. Yeah, Coolidge, you know, Harding maybe, you know. But, like, obviously Obama and, and George W. Bush each did about a million things worthy of impeachment. But they weren't impeached, and Trump was for no reason. So I just don't respect the process. I mean, like, right, Obama exactly. started three unconstitutional we wars, remember, drone bombed a 16-year-old like, American citizen, wiretapped journalists, you know, bombed a hospital in Yemen. A hospital, a Doctors Without Borders hospital was drone bombed yeah. by Barack Obama in Yemen, okay? So it's like, if he wasn't impeached, then I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't respect the institution. I do not respect the process right. anymore. Right, and it was really hard to respect it when— 
the coronavirus pandemic like started and the Democrats were all, we need to impeach Trump. And they had their little political theater of they like tried not to smile, like walking, right. videotaping themselves, walking the articles of impeachment. And they're all sitting there like trying not to smile. And Pelosi had to actually tell them, stop smiling. This is serious because none of them took it seriously. <laughs> they just they just wanted to yeah. impeach him. And then they completely like never spoke of it again. Right. You know, like it failed and they it hurt them and they never spoke of it again. Same thing with the Russia collusion hoax that they all peddled for years. Like, you know, that again, never just proven a hoax, never spoken of again. Like they didn't spend two years trying to, you know, tell their people that this president is illegitimate and that they would be, you know, on the same path as what, like a third world country revolution, like to be the resistance, right? All of that and everything that entailed. I think Nancy Pelosi's goal with this second impeachment, I, I, I don't, I mean, obviously they don't have the, they don't have the physical time to hold a trial in the Senate. I mean, there's what, I mean, yeah. when is, is it's the 20th, right? Oh, so a week. Yeah. A week yeah. from today, <laughs> one week. So I mean, it's not gonna. It you know, it's worthless. I, I think the only goal of Nancy Pelosi here is uh, that she wants more violence. I, I think she's trying to bait some nut job Republicans into committing more violence. I think that's the goal. I think Pelosi wants the violence. They want the political violence, and uh, I say that because they believe, they truly believe that they have the kill shot. Okay, they believe they can use the Capitol riot to finally kill the GOP and to kill conservatism once and for all. I, I think they're wrong. I hope they're wrong. But if they can create more violence, if they can bait a couple jackasses into doing something stupid, they can use that to beat the GOP to death. I think yeah, that is I their actually, goal. I actually have, was thinking kind of the same thing because, you know, for decades, Democrats say the right is violent, right? Like the Tea Party, they're just these violent, angry people, and there's going to be violence at any second. Or... The Second Amendment protesters, you know, around the country last year, oh, they're violent. Look at them with their guns. This is threatening and violent. And then the um, we want the people that just wanted to go back to work during the coronavirus pandemic right. were all they're violent. They're awful people, right? And there was no violence. There was no, you know, anger. There wasn't even trash, right? Like. These were all peaceful people that just wanted to live their lives and then just believed in something and they went home afterwards. And then the summer riots, like the left, you know, the left riots, you know, with the, the flap of a butterfly's wings, right? right? Anything doesn't go their way. They're rioting and destroying things. And that the Democrats were all just kind of standing by or saying, no, they're, they're you know, Police are the real evil people, and these this wouldn't happen if police weren't awful, right? Police are so awful, and then, you know, police officers get killed, people get injured, buildings get destroyed. Well, they're just buildings, right? And so suddenly, like, the polls started turning against Democrats, and they were like, oh, whoa, 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 we need to stop this violence, right? <laughs> and again, this is all just leftist violence. And so then finally, finally, the right has a riot. You know, for the first time of all of these decades of the left saying the right is just just about to become a violent riot. Right. Finally does it. And they're like, you see, you see, 
Like we've been telling you all along, they're the evil ones. They're the violent ones. And so, you know, yeah, they keep pushing and they keep acting just the left completely acts just as authoritarians, right? They control everything and they make sure they use that power to control everything they can, no matter what. And it pushes people over the edge and they knew that and they've been waiting for this and it finally happened for them and they're going to keep doing it just like you said, so that hopefully in their minds, more people on the right do this. And they're escalating. I mean, I, I know what their game plan is, and that's the complete and utter destruction of, of the right. Um, but they're Which, escal- I mean, they have like businesses and social media and so many people on their side for that. But see, but people like us, we've been warning about what their game plan was, warning what they're going to do. But they're just escalating a lot faster than even I thought they would. I mean, a lot yeah. of elements on the left are, are they're in full on frothing at the mouth mode right now. I mean, they're they're heading into some some deeply evil dystopian territory. And and like I said, we've, we've been warning against this, but I, I didn't think it would happen this quickly. I mean, they're coming for everything. I mean, from right. Deutsche Bank uh, canceling uh, President Trump's accounts. Um, you know, they, they canceled a couple accounts. He had something like you know, five and a half million dollars invested with him and they just canceled his accounts. Uh, and then this morning I, I saw a tweet from Kurt Schilling, who, who's kind of wacky, but, you know, if, for anybody who doesn't know, he's the former uh, pitcher. Uh, in the major leagues and, and a great player. But um, this morning he, he tweeted that the AIG insurance uh, canceled his family's insurance um, due to quote his social media profile. <laughs> okay. So apparently if you acknowledge that you're a Republican on the internet, you can't, you can't buy insurance anymore. So like this is their end game. It's just it, like always, this, that's what progressivism means. I mean, they, they just escalate much faster than I think anybody, including a cynic like myself <laughs> even anticipated. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I have a hard time believing the AIG thing with Kurt Schlichter, but, uh, I mean, not Kurt Schlichter. Kurt <laughs> <No>. Schilling. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No. Um, sorry, Kurt. Uh, love you. Sorry. Um, but Kurt Schilling, I have a hard time believing that. Um, but given... I would have I would have had a hard time media... believing that last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just... I mean... I don't know what kind of redress people have if like they can sue um, on civil rights grounds, just the equal protection or anything like that. I'm not sure because I don't think um, political ideology is a protected class. But I mean, at this point, like maybe it should be But the problem in that with all of this stuff. I mean, with companies shouldn't be allowed to discriminate because we all know where it leads, where it's like, okay, Trump, Trump is terrible. Okay. This person who, this other person here who is like, you know, the leader of the KKK. Okay. This person, but then it starts to, it bleeds out very quickly into just normal conservatives. Right. You know, um, it, the slippery slope argument, right? Like it just becomes very, very easy for them um, to, to go after more people on the right. And, it, it, you know, at that point, it won't end. Like you had uh, Twitter, all these accounts disappearing, or at least everybody losing followers on Twitter. And then Twitter says, oh, this is a routine thing where we just, you know, make accounts, confirm who they are. And all they got to do is like send 
the email verification, blah, blah, blah. And then Hilarious. like a couple of days later, they were like, oh no, we deleted all of those accounts because they shared QAnon content. And I was just, you know, I didn't lose as many as like a lot of people. I lost about 5,000, but it was like, I had 5,000 QAnon people following me. And there's like, <laughs> right. And there's a lot of like other conservatives that were losing followers that were like, I would believe QAnon followed them even less, right? Yeah. Like these were people that would like push back on Trump. But like at the same time, like sometimes you follow the people you disagree with, but it's still like that many, like what were they considering QAnon? Because as I know, and as you know, definitions, broad definitions are often used by the left in order to, uh, catch more people yeah i mean i don't i don't think i mean I, I don't know how many i've lost i lost a few thousand followers i don't think any of them were QAnon folks because i mean i make fun of all that stuff on this podcast all the time and everybody following me on twitter are people that listen to this podcast so like i don't know why yeah. QAnon people would even be following me but uh i mean i know there, i mean there's larger accounts they said that he kicked off seventy thousand, something like that i mean like that's a yeah. lot. like i know people that have lost more than that just personally, you know what I mean? So it's like, right. Yeah. Richard Grinnell lost almost a hundred thousand followers. Right. right. The thing is, and one of the most irritating things about this moment in time we're in, um, are, are the people on the right, the, the so-called conservatives that will not admit what's happening. I mean, there's conservatives that were cheering on parlor being completely taken off of the internet just because they don't like parlor. It's like, yeah. what, what is wrong with you people? Like, the right needs to finally acknowledge what we're up against. And there's so many yeah. conservatives that won't admit it. I mean, a lot of people pretend this is the America of the 1980s or something. I mean, like, I'm 31 years old. I was born literally, like, two weeks after Ronald Reagan left office. So, like, I don't—I I never had the good old days of Reagan negotiating, you know, over a— you know, a bourbon with Tip O'Neill and all that stuff. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't around for that America. So, obviously, I don't remember that version of America— like the, we're at the point right now where the left will not tolerate the existence of the Republican Party. OK. And like yeah. we, we've never wanted to destroy the Democratic Party. We don't want to silence these people. We want to beat them with our ideas because our ideas are much better than their ideas. The left, they don't think that way. They they their only guiding principle is raw power. OK. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Nancy Pelosi today made Eric Swalwell an impeachment manager. He's one of the guys leading this impeachment effort. Eric, Sp Eric, Swalwell, Eric Swalwell was just caught having sex with a Chinese spy. <laughs> okay? Like, if he were a Republican, at the very least, he would have been thrown out of Congress, and he probably would have been sent to prison. And because he's the Democrat, he gets a promotion. Okay, so that is what we're up against. Like, these people yeah, are laughing. Also, like, They're laughing at us. He was constantly questioning the veracity of the 2016 election. Yes. Uh, and he spread all kinds became well known because he was spreading the Russia collusion hoax all over the place. So yeah, this is not a serious person. No, no. Even among Democrats. I know, I know. And the thing is, and I think Pelosi did that on purpose. I, I do honestly, and this might just be me being cynical, but I think she, she does these things to kick sand in our eyes, to spit on yeah. us, to of laugh at us. Of course she does. I mean, they, their only principle is raw political power. That's the only thing they care about. Like, you, you, when they make a guy that was just caught having sex with a Chinese spy, when they give that guy a promotion, we need to stop pretending we're dealing with people that are capable of acting in good faith. Right. And I know that sounds 
hyperbolic. I've been trying. <laughs> Brady, you're too hyperbolic. You're too cynical. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I'm just calling it how I see it right now. And then before I let you go, Ash, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how, produ- how productive we can be in this last segment of the podcast today, but it's the question I've been asking at the end of every podcast the last couple weeks. And it's the only thing on the minds of a lot of conservatives and libertarians and just right-wingers generally. And that's where the heck do we go from here? I mean, a, a lot of people on the right, they're just like ready to give up, delete social media, completely withdraw. And obviously that's not the answer. You know, I, I encourage nobody, do not delete Twitter, do not delete Facebook, make them kick every single last one of us off. You know what I mean? Just if for no other reason to own the libs, right? So that's obviously not right. the answer. But like, We've been stripped of all political party uh, power, at least on the federal level, and the left owns the entire culture and all the institutions. So, like, it's tricky. It's difficult to come up with a game plan, but, like, what can we be doing to fight back right now? I mean, short-term, making sure that you... I mean, for places that have, like, websites, right, making sure they're on servers that, at least as of now don't look like they would kick someone off like right. Amazon did with parlor. Um, I would, I mean, long term, the Republican party needs people to sacrifice and try to take back institutions. I mean, the long term plan I've always thought of was we don't, you know, education, right. Right. That, right-leaning people just don't go into teaching apparently and that maybe they need to and you got to pretend that you're not right-leaning until you get tenure or until you've been there and you're no longer you know last one in first one out which is what the teachers unions but you you like you keep your head down for a while and then once you're safe you know just (laughs) be right-leaning and not like go with this and like try to take some institutions back but I mean, a lot of that is really difficult. It would take decades. Um, I mean, the things that we've, I've told people that, you know, are so fed up or they believe the system's rigged against them, right? And that elections don't matter. I'm like, well, in Georgia, turnout was the reason that Republicans lost because there was so many people and a lot of that, (laughs) most of that was Trump being like, the election's just gonna be stolen from you it doesn't matter, then they sat home. And it's like, you can't sit home. You have to keep voting. You right. have to keep trying. It, and we need the, um, maybe not the rallies and the protests of the, the Tea Party movement, but what the Tea Party movement did after those rallies was go start working in their local elections and making sure like they were there to get policies adopted by the party and to have a say in the candidates that get, you know, selected. So we need that kind of local involvement from people. If you were really, really angry and you were really, really upset by what happened, then what the best thing for you to do is get involved at the local level, get involved with the elections board, with the school boards, Right. right? And start, you know, trying to make changes there, doing what you can, uh, obviously grassroots political engagement wise in making changes because the more you can do at the local level, it, it'll bleed out. A hundred percent. And, uh, you know, 
people always get fired up for statewide elections and obviously federal elections. But, um, you know, if you control state legislatures, you get to gerrymander the other party out of power. <laughs> so, right. I mean, knocking right. doors, the- making phone calls, making sure your local Republican, you know, state senator, state representative wins. I mean, that, that does go a long way. Right. And making sure Republicans actually put people up in Democrat places just to try and, like, give another point of view. I mean, I don't like that, you know, the Ossoff races became so expensive, but maybe Republicans need to start putting money behind school board races to get people onto the school board so that the curriculum doesn't teach, you know, America is racist, white people are evil, you're a victim, and then maybe includes classes that teach students about loans (laughs) and taxes and like useful things that they could use in life that we never learned in school. And so you just kind of got to learn it on your own and, you know, things like that, like actually having useful things instead of, you know, victim identity politics, you know, but it starts at the local, the most basic local level. hundred percent. And I also think, you know, conservatives and libertarians, it's just a, just a macro point. I think everybody just needs to pull their kids out of government schools immediately, at least for the time being. I just don't think the republic has a future with if you know ninety five percent of children are educated by communist teachers' unions. I mean, right. it's just not sustainable. But and it's it's so tough to. And you're absolutely right, Ash. About you know we need to start trying to retake the institutions, but that's just antithetical to just how we live our lives. I mean, if you just take you and I for example, like if 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 you or I are offered just the same work for the same salary for what we do for a living. And we have the choice to work for the government or work for a private company. We're going to choose the private company 10 times out of 10 and government Democrats don't. I mean, if you just (laughs) like, if you offer a, a, a democratic teacher, a job working for a private school or a public school for the same benefits, same salary, they're going to want to work for the government. And we're just never going to like, that makes my skin crawl. The idea of working for the government, like it makes me sick. Like I want to vomit just thinking about it. So it's like, and that's how we think on the right because we don't like the government. So it's like, I I just don't, I don't know. Like you're, you're right. I mean, obviously you're correct. I just don't, I just don't see it. (laughs) Like I don't see enough people wanting to even deal with these institutions, want to get involved, to get in bed with government long enough to, to, actually flip any of these institutions if that makes sense right but that's the only way because it's just going to keep going because like what's it going to take for you know this identity politics social justice white people are inherently racist stuff to go away right yeah like what's it gonna what's the what's the story going to be that actually flips the change the other way and maybe it can come right But overall, like, unless you're working on these institutions and talking to people face to face, because it's not going to be one over social media. (laughs) Right. You've got to actually talk to people face to face. I mean, the number one, like, years ago, I was working on a story about, you know, free speech or campus stuff. And, you know, multiple students that I talked to said that they used to be liberal until they heard someone like my boss at the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, speak, right? Right. And they wouldn't have got changed their opinions from their teachers or even reading around on Twitter. You need somebody to speak to you 
pretty directly uh, in order for you to like actually, huh, wait, I never thought of that before. And I mean, that's, that's just what it takes. And that's the kind of work that needs to be done. And the Republican Party needs to actually do that work. 100%. I agree with you 100%. Before I let you go, I, I the, from where I'm sitting, the one silver lining, I mean, the, the, the one point that gives me some optimism is that the incoming administration, I mean, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are deeply unserious people. They're deeply unlikable people. They're deeply unintelligent people. And yeah. they're completely devoid of all political instincts. They're, I mean, like Kamala Harris, I mean, she, she's being billed as like the savior of the Democratic Party. I mean, she came in, what, fifth in Iowa and dropped out before her home state of California. I mean, she's terrible at politics. Did she drop out before uh-huh. the Iowa caucuses? Like, that's how— uh, Oh, did like, she? I think she did. And like, oh, man. I think she still like <laughs> got votes there. She was still on the ballot. She had already dropped out. Yeah. And I mean, so, I mean, like literally no political, like nobody wanted her. Clearly, like, these clowns are going to make they're going to do some they're going to do and say some deeply evil and deeply stupid things. So <laughs> that will yeah. get. And obviously the, the, the press, the corporate press and, and the, the you know, the Democratic base will excuse anything they do, you know, no matter what, because that's what Democrats do. But like. There's a lot of independence in this country, something like 40 percent of the country. And like, you know, one more smoking weed, listening to Tupac's story from Kamala Harris. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be a lot of that the next four years. But things are already turning against, you know, they're going to turn. They're already turning against Gavin Newsom in California, but they're going to like probably really turn against Cuomo. And like granted, tons of people who actually live in New York hate Cuomo and what he did with the coronavirus, because, I mean, he handled it worse than any other governor in the entire country, even as he's been given awards for it. It, You know, like nobody put out stupider policies than Andrew Cuomo. I mean, putting infected people into the most vulnerable population. Insane. Insanely stupid policy. And he, you know, gets awards for that stuff and, you know, gets protected. But because he's always been able to say, well, we would never have had to do any of this if Trump had handled it correctly from the beginning, which again, in the beginning, like Trump downplayed it, but he stopped planes from China, which Hillary Clinton Biden never would have done. Right. And we know that for a fact. We saw during the like in the Obama years, like they didn't stop flights from anywhere during like the Ebola scare or H1N1. Right. They like that's something the Democrats would not have done. And Trump did that. Now, after that, Trump made a lot of bad decisions. Any politician honestly would. Democrats wouldn't have handled it any better. Of course. Because that's how government works, right? And, uh, but so you you go with this and um, Biden's, you know, suddenly Trump's not there for them to blame everything on. 100%. Yeah, once orange man bad is gone, I mean... Yeah, I don't know what's going to unify the party, especially when you have Bernie Sanders and Joe Manchin in the same party. And and, and also, like, there's going to be backlash because the entire Democratic mantra is we will shut down your business at gunpoint and then we will help your business eventually as long as you're not white. <laughs> so it's like, right. that does and not seem like a sustainable platform. To do so. 
Right. I just don't think that's a sustainable platform for the Democrats going forward. So their own ineptitude, their own idiocy, I guess, is the, is the silver lining here. So, Ash, I know you have to go. I know I've already uh, kept you over, as always, and I apologize again for that. It's always a great time talking to you. Hopefully you'll come back on soon. Where can everybody follow you online and read your stuff and keep in touch and all that good stuff? You can follow me on Twitter at Ash Scow. That's A-S-H-E-S-C-H-O-W. You can read my work at thedailywire.com, or it's just dailywire.com. Everybody check out Daily Wire. Everybody follow Ash. She's the best. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Monday. No gimmicks. (laughs) 